What's up, fool? This is the Sore Losers BMX Podcast. My name is Justin Cobley. I'm here on Long Island, New York. Uh, today, I'm not here with Austin Mazer. He is on a trip to Germany right now. But I am here with my friend Danny New, Philly freestyle bike rider. I don't want to pigeonhole him in uh, Flatland. But yeah, today, I'm going to hang out with my friend Danny New and see what's up. Yo. So how are you doing, buddy? I am right now driving to meet you in Astoria to ride bikes. Yep. So I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, that's the plan. Uh, originally, you were actually going to come visit me, and uh, you're going to be here in person to record the podcast. But yep. there was a slight change of plans. So yep. now we're recording a podcast as you drive from Philly to New York and and probably about two hours I'm supposed to be yeah, meeting about, you to ride. Yeah. Yep. So we're kinda doing meta. Yeah, yeah. We're kinda doing <laughs> this whole thing in reverse, which I think is interesting. It's fucked up though, because I had I literally drove to New York yesterday morning. And I drove back home just to drive back to New York again the next day. And then tomorrow I'm going to drive back to Philly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that story is pretty insane. But, like, knowing you, that's not that crazy because you don't seem too phased by, like, long, sporadic drives. True. I like the open road. It is Independence Day, so that is also fitting, I guess, for the theme of freedom. Freedom. Freedom up. Freedom on a road, and then gonna do some freestyle, which is like ultimate freedom. Exactly. Yeah, we're gonna head to the uh, the Astoria Banks, the famous brick hip spot. That's uh, it's right over by LaGuardia Airport, which is uh, kind of unfortunate. But that spot's amazing. I don't think you've ever ridden it before, right? Never even seen it in real life, so I'll be sick. I'm probably gonna eat shit on it, but I guess that should be expected. Nah, I mean it, it's a pretty mellow spot to ride. It's it's honestly one of the most perfect spots I've ever ridden. I think it's like not quite a skate park level of perfection, but dude, it's really damn good. Like you'll see. Yeah, who's going with us? Just me and you. Um, I know a couple people that are going to be riding in the area, so I'm not sure if they're going to come link up with us. Or we're going to go catch up with them. But they're going to be uh, so like in the area in Astoria riding at uh, Maloof Park. You know, that that like kind of crappy skate park. Yeah, I, sh- I, I, I shouldn't say crappy, about. but it's at, it's mean, at the it's, World's Fair location with that big yeah, yeah. crazy structure. And it's like a one-way skate park where you just ride down the hill and then you have to like trudge back up. But it's Stop, fun. It's like pains. Pains is like one long hill yeah yeah it's actually kind of similar to pains so yeah just real quick uh how i know danny for those unaware uh we met through bmx going to uh stony brook university our uh our shared alma mater if that's how you say it and yeah. uh, i think probably my <laughs> first time probably seeing you ride or getting a session with you was like in front of the staller steps. I feel like that was yep. your like your base of operation in the college days. I fucking lived there. 
Yeah, yeah, you I literally mean, <laughs> live there, but you also live there in front of the Staller Steps. Yeah, uh, I remember you would see me ride going, like, before you had to go to class, you would say hi, you would leave, go to class, come back, and I would still be there. And then you would go to your second class, come back, and I would still be there. Yeah, seriously, you uh, you spent a lot of time there. Yep. A lot of uh, a lot of flatland sessions went down there. So, do you consider yourself a flatland rider, or something else? Like, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, sure. I spent like probably eighty percent of my time on my bike riding flatland, but it's not really like. I guess I'm a flatland rider. I don't really consider myself anything. I just ride bikes, like a little kid's bike, whatever, BMX. So, but when people ask me, like, oh, what kind of tricks can you do? I'm like, oh, I don't want to explain all this, like, weird shit I can do. I'm just like, oh, I just ride flatland. I just tell them that. Makes things easier. And just like, oh, you're a weirdo. Okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the short answer. Because uh, yeah. I, I kind of think of you, like, I've jokingly called you, like, flatland Dan. But yeah, truly, tr- truthfully, you're more like freestyle, Dan, because you use your pegs. You like, I don't know if you do so much like conventional like grind tricks, but I see you do like different like stall combos and like your pegs are there more than just for standing on and spinning around, yeah. right? Or metal pegs that yeah they get plucked. So like, I can do like normal ledge tricks like Evil Smith, do one eighties. Uh, I can't Smith 180 because I don't have upper body strength, so I don't know why. It's one of those things. You can ice, I can tooth, I can crack arm. You know, all the basic normal shit everybody else can do. I feel like most flatlanders only ride flatland. Like, they got the specialized bike and everything that weighs, like, 10 pounds. And they, like, never leave their garage or parking lot or whatever. You know, they never try to search for spots or do anything. Unfortunately, I live in Philly. There's literally a spot like every like block. So I just hit like every fucking cellar door, some wall rides, whatever. It's not cool. Yeah, you definitely live in a good place to ride everything. And I guess like riding Flatland, it's probably convenient because I feel like you ride more than like anybody else I know, even like sponsored pro riders, whatever. Like I feel like you're always sending me like a new trick you're working on, whether it's a make or not, like you're always posting stuff on Instagram, which I always like seeing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, I'm a weekday warrior. So I literally ride Monday through Friday, like during my lunch breaks and after work. Uh, I wish I could wake up at like 5 a.m. and, you know, do that morning grind shit, but I literally wake up like 10 minutes before I go to work. So that never happens. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I'm the same. I'm not not a morning rider. Never was a morning person. But I feel like uh, seeing your like riding regiment has gotten me to ride a little more on weekdays lately. Like, I don't know. For a while, I was kind of like strictly a weekend rider, and it's it's like hard to progress that way. Like, it's kind of frustrating because I feel like you spend a good part of your session just like getting comfortable on the bike and just like relearning tricks you should already know how to do 
So yeah, yeah. Thank, definitely thank you for that. I appreciate uh, the motivation, especially when you're like sending shit you're working on and like clips of you getting splattered on the ground, like huh. laughing about it most of the time. Sometimes not laughing, but bike rage. That's a really that's a real problem. I should probably talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Bike rage can be a real problem. Uh, I feel like you get you get a lot of your aggression out through like music and stuff. Like you have. Definitely some heavier tastes. That's metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the metal yeah, guy. Much. I definitely want to talk a little more about the flatland and riding stuff, but I want to get into okay. the the music stuff too, because you're like you're another guy that has a bunch of different hobbies and obligations, and uh, you seem pretty good about splitting your time between all of them. So I'm just always like interested in how. Uh, how people make that work, basically. Sure. Uh, my other hobby is playing guitar, mostly. I mean, I have drums and stuff too, but they're not in my house, so I don't play them. But I'm basically a weekend guitarist. I used to play guitar basically every day in my life. When I started when I was like 11 or 12, I just wanted to shred, so that's all I wanted to do. So I learned how to do it. And then as time goes on, you get busier with school and other shit. So I'm just like, damn, I don't have time to do shit anymore. And I think in college is when I really started picking up guitar again. Because it was like, uh, I mean, we study engineering. So you know how like that shit's like the grind, you know, like sitting there like four hours every night trying to like solve like two problems or whatever. So guitar was like the outlet in between struggling, or, like, you know, programming sessions, whatever, and just like learning new songs. But now that I'm older, it's like I, I only play guitar on weekends, like seriously, like usually in the morning. I wake up, have a cup of coffee, play for like maybe two or three hours, put it down and then do the rest of my stuff for a day, like chores, grocery shopping, fixing the house, whatever. Uh, but it's not like I plan to do it. It just so happens. Like for some reason, for me, it feels like a routine that I'm just so used to. Like my fingers get like antsy, like I need to do some shit. Same thing on a bike. Like, if I see a bike around me, I can't not fiddle with it. Like, you, you see me do this. Pick up other people's bikes and just start doing bullshit on it. Because I, I just, I don't know. It's like uh, ADD, but not really. Yeah, yeah, I've seen you do that. I feel like it's almost like the, the fidget spinner impulse where you yeah. just want to be, like, fiddling with something all the time. I get that, yep. too. But yeah, you helped uh, me a lot with the uh, with the guitar program because I started playing. Uh, I guess I started playing a little more seriously, like this winter, when I had. Actually, I guess it was. Geez, it was like winter twenty nineteen into twenty twenty, because I had that really shitty ankle injury, and right. uh, I was just on the couch for a couple of months. So that's when I picked up a guitar, and then that sort of like led into. The global pandemic. I don't know if uh, anyone's heard about that, but that gave me a lot of time to uh, to kind of dive into guitar. And you know, winter pandemic, ankle. I was like playing guitar probably every day for a couple hours. Like I was going through video tutorials, and I was I don't know, I don't want to say taking it seriously, but like I was trying to put in hours and actually progress, and then. You know, I feel like hobbies sort of shuffle priority. And uh, once the weather got nicer and the world started opening up, you know, BMX kind of jumped to the top of the priority list again. 
and I've sort of been adjusting to uh, when I still find time to play the guitar and like how many hours I can dedicate to it. But, you know, hearing your program when you're telling me like you basically play in the morning helped a lot because like now I just try to like pick up the guitar at least once a day, even if it's only for 15, 20 minutes and just like Mm -hmm. go through some like chord progressions I know, go through some little scales and picking techniques and like just try to make slow progress and at the very least maintain the skills that I've built so far. Yeah. It's all muscle memory. I guess same thing from Flatland. Like, I mean, the type of music I play is it's mostly like death metal, so it's like pretty difficult, like technical, very technical fast tempos. Yeah, complicated. So it's like thinking music too. It's, I mean, it's closer to classical music than anything else. That's why my girlfriend can actually listen to my shit, even though she's into like hip hop and R and B. She can listen to death metal because she's like, oh, it's like a classical piece I know. Like, yeah, you see what it is, except it's just like extra brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, funny when I uh, when I came and visited you guys because I think we were just sitting there having a nice quiet breakfast, and you were just playing like Cannibal Corpse and like Dead Fetus, and I don't even know like <laughs> all these like dying, dying fetus, Pulse. dying fetus. Yeah, I knew there was some fetus yeah. in there. But yeah, she was saying like she can kind of like separate the um you know the instruments and she can sort of get past the screaming and appreciate you know the technical guitar bits and like musically what they're doing, which I found yeah. interesting. I have interns at work. They're probably like eighteen and twenty. I mean, they're into I guess like pop, like radio and like EDM and stuff, which is cool. I'm trying to get them into metal. It's really hard to go the other way. Like, it's easy for me to listen to, like, other genres of music and really appreciate it and, like, get into it. Because right now I'm into, like, EDM and slowly getting into, like, modern rap or whatever. But it's really hard to go the other way. If you're into pop and stuff, you're going to metal, it's like, no, this just sounds like noise. Damn. At least I tried. Yeah, I feel like the barrier to entry is just a lot higher with that kind of music. Yeah, I guess the... One part people don't get is that it's a joke, like the horror and gore aspect of it. Because, sure, you're singing songs about like the capitating babies or whatever, but it's like, it's not, it's no different than like a horror movie. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Except, except in a horror movie, you see it and then it goes away or, you know, the scene changes, whatever. Death metal, like you're listening to it or you, you know, it's all imagery in your head. But it's almost like, I just, like, I'm not a serial killer or anything. I'm just a normal dude, but people like to think that, like, I'm a fucking weirdo. I like to, because I listen to music about killing babies or, like, massacring billions of people at a time, whatever. It's just all a joke. Yeah, so There's you say. to it, but, yeah, it's funny. So I mean, you yeah, say. yeah, of course. <laughs> no, I feel you. I feel like, uh, dude, to me, I feel like the shirts for, like, death metal bands kind of give it away because the the text looks so ridiculous. With all yeah. those crazy, like, spidering letters to the point where you can't even read it. Yep. Like, I feel like that whole, like, style is so over the top that, like, how can you, how can you take that 100% serious, like? And yeah, like you, you said. That, you should look at the album covers. Those are ridiculous. Yes, yeah, I've seen a few. That's pretty insane. Yeah. 
But yeah, it's interesting too because I feel like uh, at least when I was visiting, the guitar that you were picking up most of the time was your classical acoustic guitar. Yeah. Which is really funny as like a uh, somewhat of a metal shredder, a metalhead kind of guy. Yeah, the, the classical guitar is just so much. Uh, it's a lot of fun to play because that's like my first instrument. Like this little like nylon string. Probably like three quarter size guitar my dad bought me, and I just really like the way the nylon feels in my fingers. And then when I jump to a large, I mean the other guitar I have is an eight string guitar, so it's just like super wide neck, long uh, scale length, and classical spacing on the frets is very similar to my eight string, so it, it translates really well. It's a lot harder, weirder when I go from my my classical to like my brother's guitar, he's like a super strat. Everything's like really tight, like shreddy, like thin necks and everything. Mm-hmm. I tell you that, I'm like, holy shit, my, this thing is too fast. I can't control it. I need something a little bit more, uh, I guess, artificially difficult to play so that my hands adjust to it. But that's the same for bikes. I think everything goes back to bikes. It's kind of crazy. But yeah, like Flatland, I can't ride those like little tiny Flatland bikes, even though I had one at one point. I was looping out all the time. Like 18 inch top tubes and stuff, and hit my knee on the stem every day. Now mm-hmm. I just ride like a relatively normal bike and do flat on it, and it feels great. Like, it has the right amount of resistance and like responsiveness. But I don't have like a 12 inch chainstay, which is actually pretty nice for once. Yeah, I think it, uh, it kind of works out the way, you know, like freestyle street BMX bikes have all gotten smaller and shorter. And like more flatland geometry ish, yeah. because now you can like, you can kind of ride flatland on just about any modern street frame within reason. Yeah. Like you might still prefer like you ride, what is it? The We the People. It's not the Utopia frame. It's the one before that. What frame uh, are you on? These? Oh no, you just switched over. You just got the um. Yeah, I had a Utopia, and then but now I have a Heresy frame, Heresy Ascend. Gotcha. Kink top tube. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that kink top tube because, like, yeah. when I rode that bike, the geometry felt not dissimilar to my We the People Pathfinder. Yeah. Which seemed kind of insane, but the big difference was definitely that the kink top tube just made stuff like whiplashes feel so much easier to get over the frame, and it just like gives you that little bit of foot clearance that goes a long way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, every time I go to the skate park, some fucking kid always comes up to me and tells me my bike's broken. They're like, hey, your frame's bent. I'm like, it's not, I mean, yeah, you're right. It is bent, but it's not, I didn't bend it. It's like, it comes like that. They're just like, you bought a broken frame? I'm like, ah, yeah, I don't like that anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like people are probably like taking the piss with you on that. Like they're just, they're messing with you. At least half yeah. the time. But yeah, I'm sure some kids literally just don't get it. Like they just see uh like a normal looking frame with just a weird yeah, double kink. triangle. Yeah, double triangle frames and whatever. Yep. So yeah, what's the uh what's kind of the general state of Flatland in like twenty twenty one? Like how are companies doing? Like are there still how's the contest scene? Because I feel like that was always a big part of Flatland. In my mind, like yeah. you'd see the big circle of dudes, you'd see 
Terry Adams killing it, Matias Standois, like, you know, around yeah, the time. like 20 dudes in the world that are like constantly on the podium scene. Just like battling it out. But it's crazy too because Flatland, we're so small as a community, like just Flatland specific, that there's no bad blood, I don't think, between any of them. It's all international. Um, it's not like, well, France obviously is dominating, but Japan is also dominating its own thing. Japan doesn't really compete on like the world uh, realm, like uh, the world championships and stuff. Because Flatland in Japan, the same way we treat, we treat like baseball. You know, you have like, parents coaching their kids from like two years old up until they're like 18 just ride flat that's why I used all the crazy shit I said you 80% of the time it's like some flatland kid who's like 12 years old doing a combo that would take me like 30 years yeah but, for sure I've seen some crazy stuff from like kids that you know they're probably still learning how to uh how to do algebra and yet yeah. they can already like shred flatland insanely well. Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah, they, yeah, they can do shit like uh, time machines and like circles and mega spins and it's dialed. You know, it's like it doesn't look like me struggling at all. Meanwhile, I'm just like trying to do one whiplash in the parking lot and give me shit. It's like, damn, I feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kind of part of the reason why I like took Instagram off my phone. Like it's demotivating at times to see like, you know, you can't help but like compare yourself to other people when you're kind of on the same platform and you're, you know, trying to do your own thing. So yeah, it's it's definitely weird. I had to do a little mind, like a like mentality mind shift when it comes to that kind of stuff because, you know, as we were talking about this earlier, you know, I don't really consider myself a flatland rider per se. It's all freestyle. So I just try to do what feels good to me, have fun doing it, and I don't give a fuck how it looks. Like two wheels on the ground, barely touching the floor. Like yeah, I counted. Fuck it, looks good. I'll post it. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know, even though there's like crazy bangers being dropped every day, it just to me. Like I mean, I'm older now anyway. You know, I'm like 28, almost turning 30 in like two years. So who am I trying to impress? Really, I'm just trying to have fun. Yeah, like, uh, I feel like short. I mean. I see a lot of like people, I guess, like they're hungry, you know, they want sponsors and they want to do like the next best thing or like be progressive. I guess that's cool, but I mean, don't kill yourself. I mean, you could, but it's really worth it at the end. Like, do you really, any, do you really feel any satisfaction? Like I can grind a trick for like a month and land it and not feel any satisfaction at all. So I'm just like, why would I do that again? Like, I'd rather just fuck around, do what feels good. Just have a good time, like every time. That's just me, though. Even though yeah. I like rage, but that's just yeah. I totally agree. I feel like a a big part of it is like everyone's different, and also yeah. like I think the younger kids tend to be hungrier because they're just newer to it, and you know they they think maybe they can make some sort of career out of it. You know, there's just a different a different mindset at a young, at an earlier age which I try not to like blame anybody for, like, especially, you know, everybody complains about kids posting, you know, video part clips on Instagram. And it's like, if they don't have a camera, if they don't have a filmer, if they don't have a project, like what else are they going to do with the clip? Like, 
they want to get eyes on their riding. So like, I don't know. I don't blame them anymore. Right. Yeah, I get that. I mean, that was like me in terms of guitar. I guess I wanted to be in like a metal band, get famous one day. But yeah, at a certain point, you're just like the odds are, are stacked against you in so many ways that it's just like not worth it. It's not fun anymore. So, but that's just my philosophy. If, it's, if I don't enjoy it, it's not worth doing. It like one day, my bike doesn't give me joy anymore. I'm literally just gonna put it down and walk away. But at this point, I don't think it's ever gonna happen. But if it does happen, I, like, I'm prepared for that. Yeah, I feel like but it's good like, to have some contingencies. I feel like if you yeah. like put all your eggs in one basket, that's like setting yourself up for failure. Like, I don't know. One thing that like stresses me out about BMX is like you need to be. I don't want to say like top physical form, but like all of your joints have to work. Yeah. You know, all of your bones have to be unbroken. Like, you know, guitar, you can play guitar as long as your hands and wrists and fingers are okay. Like, yeah. you know, I got into guitar because my ankle was sprained and I couldn't yeah. ride. I couldn't walk. I was in like, I was in a heavy boot that uh, I couldn't even do like weight bearing for like, I think it was three months. So. Yeah, guitar was like the perfect hobby like that I can do regardless of like my uh physical condition. Yep. Which uh, is still scary too cuz you hear about you know people that get like hand injuries or like carpal tunnel or like whatever it might be to where yeah, like you you can't play guitar at that point, but I feel like you can be you can be an old fat man with plenty of medical issues and you could still shred guitar, no problem, yeah. right? <laughs> There's a guy named Jason Becker. Uh, I forget what he had. He had some sort of like disease where his like muscles stopped working. But so he can't physically play guitar. He was a shredder when he could play guitar, but you know he lost all his motor functions. But he still writes music. Really? You can look him up. Yeah. What's his name? Jason Becker. Jason Jason Becker. Becker. Interesting. So yeah, even so, like, yeah, you're right. Music can be a hobby even more just from like the theory and the compositional side more so than just the physical playing. Yeah. It can, yeah. And it's, uh, it's pretty rewarding in its own way. Uh, I don't know. It's a BMX. Well, I guess it does. I mean, you ever sit there like playing up at night thinking about the trips you want to do? I think that's composing it in a way. Yeah. You're all like, the time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the mind-body connection. You're like thinking about something over and over and over and it becomes reality. You're like, ah, oh, if it goes. You know, that's like... Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's one of the most satisfying things about riding is like taking an idea, you know, just a just a thought and then actually making it happen physically right. is a really cool thing, especially like documenting it too. Like I feel yeah. like you're... uh you're very good at documenting your writing, not not for the sake of like getting famous or making like a crazy video project, but like you seem to be good at just like self filming, just to have like proof of biking. Am I wrong there? Oh, looks like we lost the call. Yo. Yo. I think the uh the call got dropped. Yeah. Uh, well, we're uh 
That sucked. Yeah, it was gonna. It was bound to happen. At least we made it to uh, thirty minutes before uh, technical difficulties emerged. Which is a great song by Paul Gilbert. So anyway, we're back. Uh, what were we just talking about? Uh, I have no idea. Filming, self-filming, documenting, oh, writing, yeah. that sort of thing. Documenting, yeah, having a high sense of, I mean, building my own self-esteem that way, like just seeing how my writing changes from year to year, or like even month to month, like whatever new trick I'm working on. Like I, I don't have a plan ever. I just kind of like ride my bike. Like, oh, today I want to ride back wheel. Today I want to ride front wheel. Today I want to do manuals. Today I want to do all fucking ledge. Today I just want to hit solar doors. I don't know. It's all just like random crap. Like I like to live spontaneously in that fun aspect of my life. Because I mean, everything else in my life I have to do like I to be pretty organized. Otherwise, like you know, I'll get fucking destroyed. Obviously, I own a house now, so you know, pay my bills on time, go to work, all my work stuff, be a responsible adult. That freestyle is my one album. I can really, truly be a kid. Just be like, I don't have a plan. Fuck. Run a bike. Have a good time. Yeah, for sure. Riding is definitely best enjoyed that way, in my opinion. Like, I never wanted it to be structured like a sport with a coach and, like, a checklist (laughs) and a routine. Like, definitely prefer, you know, just taking it day by day. And, uh... I don't know. I feel like riding without progressing, without like pushing yourself, would just take a lot of the fun out of it. Like it would just be, I don't know, like reading the same book over and over or just like just doing the same thing is boring. So it's fun to see, to push yourself and to see what you're capable of. Right. Is that how you think of it? Yeah. Variety is definitely the spice of life. No, I, like, you know me, I'm down to ride anything way out of my comfort zone all the time. Even though I keep going back to, like, a small patch of concrete. Like, oh, bang. I like those. Oh, a rail. Yeah, I'll try something. Whatever. So yeah, it's all, for sure. Yeah, it's all just to make life more interesting. Uh, but then, then, again, it's like, I'm not dialed at all. I hope people know this, like, you see me ride. I literally eat shit the whole time riding. <laughs> like, never land anything first try. Because I don't spend enough time, like... I guess my foundations are pretty bad. My fundamentals. But I wouldn't say that. I feel like you've gotten yeah. a lot more dialed over the years. Like, I feel like when I first met you, like, uh, riding in front of the Staller Steps at Stony Brook... I feel like you were still working on some like basic flatland stuff. Like, like I don't think you were doing whiplashes at the time. I feel like maybe you were doing like, you know, more like peg manuals and like still working on the basics more so. But now I feel like you have a pretty, pretty, pretty solid foundation and like a good, a good trick list to the point where you could show up at like, you know, a flatland jam or a session. And you can like hang with, you know, hang with a group of riders kind of thing. Oh, uh, yeah. I definitely do miss Flatland Jams. They don't happen very often. When you do, it's always a crazy good time. Because Flatland is so diverse, but everyone's a lot older usually. Like, 
dudes in their 30s and 40s with like kids and shit. So they bring the whole family around. And these are like really underground dudes, like riders. They literally just, all they do is ride in their garage. But, you know, under, like no one's watching them. They just progress in their own little bubble. And it's kind of crazy. And they can do crazy tricks that like you never would have thought of, like switches and different ways of balance. It's like, whoa, holy shit, it's mind blowing. And then disappear. Yeah, Flyline is really cool because it it also seems to have such like an individualistic element where like style plays such a major factor. Like even just in the way that like you build speed and maintain speed, like aren't there some guys that do like scuffing to like keep their speed, but there's other guys that like pump more and there's even like static Flatland. Like you have a few like static tricks that I've seen over the years that I always thought was interesting. I fucking love static tricks. It's, it's really kind of hard, but it feels really good. I feel like you're breaking physics because you're just like, not moving. <laughs> yeah, it almost seems wrong because like without momentum, it feels like your bike is not meant to stay up. So you're really just like, you're fighting against physics at that point. And physics is always going to win, as we know. Yeah, physics always wins. Gravity is a bitch. What did you learn with flashes? I feel like I I was fucking around with them one day, and then, like, I think you learned them, like, right after I learned them, right? It's, like, 2017 or 16 or something. Oh, what do you say, whiplashes? Yeah. When did you learn them? Um, That's a good question, because I feel like I learned them. And then I unlearned them for a while. And now, recently, I've got back into them. Uh, I learned Flatland probably probably around when I was toward graduating from Stony Brook. Which would have been like 20, 2018, I think, was my oh. last year. So, yeah, I've been doing them for a good few years. But it started out, you know, I learned the classic, like, stick your foot on your peg and just, like, kick it around, like the cheater whiplash. And then eventually progress toward the um, the hang five to yeah. to weird foot kick maneuver that uh, is still not easy. But do you stick your out. leg behind the scene or do you put your leg through the frame to hit the bike you with? So I have, yeah, I have a weird technique. I basically do a forward kick with like my balancing leg and that sets like your counterbalance to go the other way after. So I do a forward kick and then I do a big leg swing like back behind me to get my leg to clear the seat. And then I push the frame with my other leg with the knee, like the one that my foot Uh, is on the peg. And that sort of like gives the bike a little kick. And then once it starts falling, then it's, the whiplash is on its way, but I give it that little boost because I feel like a few times when I was trying to learn them, I would do the leg kick to try to get like the frame to move and then just nothing would happen. So I started the little, like the little knee technique, which uh, seems to work. I don't know if other people do it that way, but that's been my method. I've never considered it. I use only gravity to help me because every time I try to kick it anyway, it doesn't work. Interesting. Yeah, to me, it's it's more like a, just a little nudge. Like, I don't, yeah. like, 
send it in like full tail whip speed, but I just kind of give it give it a little push in the right direction. That uh, I don't know. It just makes me feel a little more in control, whether or not it actually helps that much. Holy shit! Hold on, this guy's tires blew up in front of me. Jeez. Damn, bro. That's fucked up. Okay. You good? <laughs> I'm, so, yeah, I'm good. It, it, it's tired. It's open in front of me. It's like kind of fucked up. But it was like halfway into the shoulder anyway, so we just kept pulling in. But yeah, it was gnarly. Damn, it's crazy because I didn't hear a thing over the phone. Like to yeah. me, it's just been the normal, quiet, calm. I would have taken a picture, but obviously I'm like two, two things at once. Yeah, phone's a little busy. So yeah, you said you've uh, recently become a homeowner, huh? How's that been? Uh, a logistical nightmare. <laughs> Every day is like not something new. House is trying to find ways to. Okay, so basically, water is like the worst thing that can happen to a house, and my house is literally just. Water is always trying to find a way to fuck up my, my life. So my basement flooded. You know about this already. Where we had a plumbing issue. Manifold where all the water is coming out of. It leaks. All that water got underneath my finished basement floors. So we had to get all that shit ripped up. Plus all the drywall taken out. And they had to, had to get it dried and fixed and refloored. And recently we have, uh, we just put new storm doors on. It's right in the rear of the house. But then they had to put a new door frame to fit the storm door. In the front of the house, it's uh the door the new door frame is leaking, so water is actually coming in the house, even though the storm door is supposed to keep the water out. Yeah, it's literally called a storm door to I prevent know. leakage from storms. Even though exactly. we prefer them as riding surfaces. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, that that sucks. Uh the initial when that like manifold leaked. That seemed like such a massive nightmare. Like your basement, you know, that's where you had your office set up. That's where yeah. you had, that's where you kept your bike and your guitars and stuff. Like how much water do you think was there? Like height wise? Uh, so once we ripped up the floors, there's just solid, like all that water got pushed around because we kept like walking over the floorboards. So once you took it out, probably a solid like half inch water uh. just, like laying under there. Yeah, yeah, I remember uh, you showing. I think you showed me kind of like the water line at some yeah, at some like, spots, and it was it was definitely like not just like my, some little puddles. My, it was like a solid, you know, half inch covering. Yeah, the my basement's uh, my basement's sloped towards the front of the house, so like all that water would just pulled into my office room where I store like all my stuff, like my laptop and stuff, and music equipment. So that's like my room had the worst. I was like, once we took the floor off, there's a solid, like, half inch in my room. Like, there was so much water, it just, like, went all the way towards the back. So, it was just, fuck. God, yeah, that's a nightmare. But well, this luckily, is why, uh... You buy homeowner's insurance. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly where I was going. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a major, majorly important move to make if you're buying a house. And yeah. The second important thing is get two inspections instead of one. I did. I made that mistake. I only got one inspection. I was like, oh yeah, she knows what she's talking about. Pay the price. 
Yeah. And at least you're in the right industry to get help when you have a problem, right? Yeah. I'm an MEP engineer, so mechanical electrical plumbing. So almost like I can't separate my work from my home life. Simply because I, I, I basically work in construction all day. Like I, I look at the, I, I can't look at the ceiling the same way anymore. I'm that weird dude walks in the supermarket. I look up in the ceiling. I'm like, wow, that's a cool ductwork they got going on. Or I'm like, oh, they have a fucking leak here and I can fix this and that and that. And I'm like, ah, I'm not going to do it though. <laughs> you're like scoping out the like Siamese connections as you're walking into like buildings and like count counting the spacing between the fire sprinklers, seeing if it's the code or if, if it's grandfathered yeah. in, that kind of shit. Uh, I do this thing at people's houses where I'm like, wow, you have a lot of code violations. <laughs> it's a great party trick giving them like always, courtesy inspections off the books it's kind of fucked up because i always say it so nonchalantly i'm like oh yeah I'm like this problem here this problem here this problem here and then they always freak out they're like oh my god is my house gonna explode i'm like no it's fine you know you're just gonna get leaks in like five ten years i mean deal it's fixing yeah then yeah i should probably stop doing that yeah they're like oh in their head they're like that's the last time i invent invite danny over this yeah, guy just ruined weirdo. my fucking day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess when I was at the bike shop, I was doing the same thing. But when I wasn't working at the bike shop, I would look at other people's bikes and be like, oh, your bike's not fucked up. Your derailleur's not living on that set of property. Like, oh, what does that mean? Like, oh, you just... I really should just, like, charge people for advice. Or, like, to fix their bike. But I would just be like, oh, just give me a tool off this. Yep, I feel like once you learn some sort of skill or some kind of hobby, you can't ever like unsee it. Like especially like yeah. when you start riding street, you you're just like driving down the road and you see like a a good handrail or you see a bank spot and you just instantly start thinking about like tricks to do on it, like even like you're just looking in like at the molding in a house or something and you see like transition and you're like, damn, that, that quarter looks sick. Like, damn, I would totally ride that if I was an yeah, ant. Yeah, it's crazy. I, so I work a lot with architects who send me, uh, you know, their plans for, like, how a building should look from the outside and whatnot. And then uh, there's this one architect I deal with. I'm not going to name him because he's going to get really upset if he hears me talk about him on, on the low. But he's a skater. So he designs buildings with transition built in. And then uh, usually the owner will say something like, oh, why don't we put skate stops on it? He's like, no, it's fine. No one's going to ever skate it. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm always like, I'm always in these meetings like laughing like, yo, this shit is hilarious. But, you know, he's a, he's a registered architect. So, you know, the owner's like, oh, okay, I trust you. I believe you're doing I'm like, in the background, I'm cracking up. This guy just, he's saving the best for himself, you know. Yeah, it's funny because I've always imagined whether that thing actually happens in reality or whether like, yeah. you know, even an architect who doesn't skate anymore, but still like has it in mind would have the balls to like implement something. So that's, that's pretty awesome to hear. Um, unfortunately I'm not an architect. I can't design this stuff. I wish I could though. I'm like not very artistically inclined in terms of like visual arts. So, like, when it comes to, like, plumbing and stuff, I'm always just worse. Yeah, I feel you. Like, 30, yeah. Like, it takes me so long to look at lines. 
I'm like, oh, I can't. Just give me numbers. I do not. Yeah, I feel like my creativity, like, it's not so much in the creating something visual, but it's just okay. in, like, finding it and seeing it. Like, I, I do more of the photography side, as you know. And, like, I feel like that's kind of one of the least creative visual arts. Not to, like, not to put the photo world down, but I feel like, you know, compared to, like, painting and graphic design and, like, art where you just start with a blank page, I feel like photography is more so, like, observation unless you're, like, setting up shoots with props and models and, like, that's a whole other world that I'm not a part of. I think my problem is that I'm a very lazy writer, like physically, like, uh, like typing is no, no big deal, but my handwriting is atrocious. Like I literally write chicken, chicken scratch nine times out of 10. I just write in hieroglyphics for myself because I don't want to write the whole sentence. I just write like little reminders to tell me what's going on. Yeah. So I think that's it... why I can't, I, I, so I can't do art. You know, about, about like being very deliberate with your strokes and whatnot. I'm just like, I don't have time for this. I'm just gonna like take a note. And that's it. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely uh in a similar camp handwriting wise, especially uh I'm left handed. So Oh same. Even if are you left handed as well? Yeah. Really? Interesting. But you play guitar righty. Yeah, I play guitar righty. That's funny. I should have that's taken everybody's advice and learned guitar righty. But I was too stubborn. So as you know, I'm a lefty player, which yep. uh, is a huge pain in the ass. Yep. But it's kept me from like impulse buying a lot of used guitars because I yep. simply just, they're not out there. Yeah, I think my dad couldn't find like a small size, like uh, lefty possible for me. That's why I stepped into writing. Interesting. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. But, I mean, it's fine. I play with two hands anyway. I don't know why, but just the moment I picked up even, like, a guitar-like device, a.k.a. the Guitar Hero 3 controller thing, <laughs> I just yeah. picked it up and just lefty was the only way that felt right. So when I actually got a guitar from a friend in high school, uh, I just restrung it lefty and uh i think we just like flipped the nut and uh really really poorly like adjusted the um the saddles and the bridge to get the intonation like relatively acceptable but not yep. not perfect but anyway like yeah, just... I, I was lefty from the beginning couldn't help it like even when i started like my my second round of guitar let started like 2019 I started asking people, oh, what guitar should I get? Sending people links. And they're like, get a righty guitar. I can't do it, man. I'm sorry. I'm I'm a lefty. Like, I write left-handed, ride left foot forward, play guitar lefty. I can't help it. And you're fuck-footed. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've somewhat unfuck-footed myself over time. Because a lot of the tricks I want to do require me to spin right even though i'm left foot forward and i want to spin left goofy footed but like all the spinning bar spin tricks and spinning toboggans like all that stuff you have to spin right or else it feels horrible and makes the trick 10 times harder 
So I spin right probably more often than not these days. So it's kind of backwards. Yeah, that pedal hang five G turn on that wedge that one time, the skate park wedge. Did you do that spinning to the left or right? I did that spinning to the right, so it's it's technically opposite. That's sick. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for reminding me of that trick because I was like, I was trying to figure out even what that was the other day. I was thinking about like weird tricks I don't do enough and I was remembering that incident. But that was kind of like a weird one and done trick. You know, I should probably learn that because I've been dialing in backwards pedal cheese, uh, sorry, backwards pedal manual forever and fives. I feel like a G turn is just natural progression. Like if I can do, if I can carve a normal pedal hang five before the backward, I think that'd be pretty sick. I might try that later when I see. Yeah, I've yeah, it's definitely it. it works. I feel like you have to get past that like night between like ninety and one eighty, where you switch from forward to backwards. Like once you yeah. start rolling backwards in it, that's when you're you're almost ready to like pop out. Like it's kind of like a regular G turn where you only have to go backwards with it as long as you want to. And you can pop out at any time and sort of just like squeak out the last like 90 on the back tire kind of thing. Yeah. So I would definitely say give them a shot. It makes sense, especially cause you're good at like the, the pedal five carving. Like I think I've seen you do some like pedal five one eighties and pedal fiving in a circle. So it makes yeah. sense a great trick people should do it more often yeah i've been meaning to do them more i tried to um to film like a pedal grind or a pedal five variation the other day and uh just out of practice blew it who's that guy that does like pedal five grinds like pedal five and uh toothpicks uh definitely the the main contender on that list would be eric elstrand Oh, yeah, to me, sure he's he the pedal that. five grind. Uh, also, there's Adam Banton for sure. He's oh, uh, yeah, Banton, yeah. probably before uh, Elstrand really took the title. Oh, it's uh, what's his name? Alexi de Sauvignon or whatever. The French guy from Percy. You watch your profile too. Got like the he's like the old guy with like the long hair. Hmm. I'm not the I'm the name sounds Alexis. vaguely familiar. I feel like if it's I saw a clip of him, His yeah, yeah, it's Alexis. Alexis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it's him Alexi. before. It's French, yeah. You can do him like all sorts of green shit. He does a no handed, I think, like a messiah grind. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Did you see Eric Elstrand did a pedal five grind to one eighty down a handrail? Yeah. That's the most insane shit. I've ever seen, honestly. Whiplash, whiplash grind. grind. Yeah, yeah, completely insane. Yeah. That made, that doesn't make any one. sense. Yeah. Did he win? What did he win on the next game? Bronze? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think he got robbed because that trip was fucked up. I mean, like, of all the other fucked up trips everyone else did, that was like the most fucked up trip. Maybe yeah. he got bronze. I don't remember. Yeah, either way, he definitely deserved deserve some more credit for that but i don't know when you're competing against like who is probably in that nathan williams and garrett and maybe yeah, chad curly that yeah. it's pretty pretty tough to compare to those guys 
So how is uh how are flatland companies doing like in general? Like are there a lot of them? Are they uh have they been dying out? What's like the the state of flatland? Flatland is getting more expensive. Like parts are getting more expensive as there's also less companies offering stuff. Like maybe like five years ago, there was like everyone was trying to do like a retro frame or retro part. But now everything is going to like a new modern take on things. Like you've seen it with like new people. Uh, you know, like shorter like front load stems are like flatland size now or like uh, shorter top tube sizes and stuff. So that's like basically pushing out the core flatland brands competing. Because it's like, why would I spend $500 for a flatland frame from X company when I can just buy a Vita People or a Haro or whatever for like 300 So that's like the, that's like the state of it. Parts are getting cool, like pegs. I know for most people, a peg is a peg. But flatland pegs are like the most intricate, most beautifully engineered parts I've ever seen. They have like knurling on them. Uh, sometimes it's like, the diameter, like, um, like a thinner diameter on the inside of the peg and then thicker on the outside. And there's like a ball that screws on the end of it so you can do pivot tricks. Sometimes it has like really interesting design. There's a company called, uh, Iggy, IGI. They use a specific type of, uh, thermal spray compound to increase the amount of grip on the peg itself for like dry climates. Like if you live in a dusty, dry weather, like, Chile or Mexico or somewhere like that. They make a specific peg for that. My God, I never even uh, thought of that. Yeah, I feel like, like uh, of, to me, flatland pegs. Yeah, to me, flatland pegs were always. They always kind of look like like huffy pegs, like yeah. the kind of but like I never really thought that they could put that much design work, but it, it makes sense because you spend so much time standing on your pegs, using your pegs, trusting them. And like, especially like those dudes that are like spinning on one foot with their, their other leg, like through, you know, over the, the crossbar or the handlebars, like in such weird contorted condition positions, you really have to like trust your grip. And I'm sure like, you know, personal preference comes into play you know like some dudes want to ride in like van shoes or nikes or whatever but i'm sure the peg brands people have their favorites and what they stick to like i i would love to ride like flatland specific peg but i love grinding and hitting shit with my peg so much that i can't i, I can't do it i mean i could but i don't want to it's just not worth it like those pegs cost like eighty dollars a pair. Jeez. Wow. So that's like that's four that's four normal pegs for most people. So at that price, I really don't want to hang them up. Buy a new pair like next month. So you know, it can be, it can become kind of expensive. Yeah, it's crazy. And do you think? Um... That's something flat. Your uh, reputation can be like really weak. Which is kind of true. Cause I mean, it's all weight beating shit. Like they're just trying to make the tubing as thin as possible to make it light. You know, no gussets, anything like that. So of course frames break. That's why it causes a lot of like companies like 
bail. It's like, oh, reputation sucks. And like, oh, I'll buy by his frame. It's like, well, you know, Drake in like three months after riding, he was going to buy something all a normal frame with two gussets. It's like, you know, a pound heavier, but at least I'll know it'll last. Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I would think that flatland parts would last a lot longer because you're not, you know, going over drops. You're not riding sets. Uh, most guys probably aren't doing too many grinds, which I think is like one of the, the main contributors to, to breaking parts and wearing through parts. But yeah, at the same time, flatland, they're trying to make parts as light as possible and as small as possible. and. That's definitely going to to add to a lot more weaknesses and chances of breaking stuff. I mean, I think flatland riders drop their bikes more than like a normal rider. Yeah, that's true too. You do spend a lot of time, you know, bailing, land, maybe probably landing on your bike when it falls too, versus yeah. like, I feel like, uh, you know, street riders. You, you mess up tricks and you bail a lot, but generally you're taking the impact and your bike, you know, you either you're holding on to it or you like pick up the bike, whatever it is. So that's interesting. I've broken pants like S&M intricate, like, uh, like some brand or whatever. I've broken their bars. And, you know, that kind of left the sour taste in my mouth. And I've broken their flat Like I'm like over the flatland. Um, whatever street parts I had. Uh, let's see. I think what else? I'm broken. My first actual aftermarket frame was a Deco Succubus flatland frame. I broke that the chain stay. That was gnarly. Let's see, broken forks too. The Deco forks, the forks that like pump brake knots, the blue one. I broke that mm-hmm. one too. I've broken the S and M fast pitch ones. That's like it's not really a flat hand fork per se. It's just like minimal offset, like thirteen millimeters. Yeah. But I mean, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. I had these pedals once for a week. They're called the Moto pedals. So it's just like a flat pedal with drip tape on top, so you don't get shinners like normal way mm-hmm. like from like pins. I broke those in a week because the body of it, I believe, it's like. Not plastic, like wood. And then like hardwood. It's like some, some rich mahogany pedals. Yeah, they're some, like some luxurious hardwood. Too. I spent money on that shit. And I remember like they broke at a week. I was like, fuck that. Yeah, uh-huh. dude, that it sounds like those pedals are more like for show than uh or maybe just for very, very light riders. Oh. This is also a weird one. I had these KG aluminum pegs that were from Flatland and Street, people. Uh, it was a weird peg, though. It was an aluminum outer with a plastic core. What? Why? Yeah, don't ask me why that is. <laughs> it's fucking weird. <laughs> like the peg just shattered. It's really? Not no surprise. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think they're called the KG Alchemy pegs. Alchemy. They're like flatland and street, they say. Because it's lightweight but strong. Dude, you just said strong and it echoed like you were in 
like a uh, a soccer stadium. Um, oops. That was crazy. Was that that, that just tripped me out. I don't know. Maybe oh, it. Maybe it's a. Uh, maybe it's an iPhone doing some weird audio correction when it sees the level go too high or something. I'm making really good time. I'm only about forty minutes away now. Shit, we better end this kind of soon so I can uh, get in the car and drive to you. Yeah, I'm good. But yeah, honestly, it sounds like you've probably broken more parts than me over the years. Because my track record's not been too bad. Like, I've broken a couple of frames, a couple of forks, but nothing too crazy. Like... And I've I've been known to just ride parts into the ground. Uh, you kind of gave me yeah. some shit for it when you heard uh, one of the previous podcasts. I think it was talking to Grant C. I talked yeah. about like my uh, my bicycle history before starting to ride for We the People. And uh, yeah, yeah, I used to just scrounge parts from homies and just uh, you know, ride parts into the ground. Like if it's not broken, it's still good. It's still on my bike. Yeah, you're cheapskate. Bit of a cheapskate, yeah. I mean that the kind of the way I always looked at it is like riding street, you're going to destroy pretty much every part on your bike. So it like never made sense for me to spend, you know, hundreds, thousand bucks putting together a really pretty shiny bike that is just gonna get thrashed. And like I always used to kind of joke that I was like sponsored by proxy. Because, you know, most of my friends had sponsors and, uh, you know, they always have, you always have spare parts. Like right now I'm sitting on like a whole spare bike that, uh, I'm kind of just going to turn into like a weird test bike. Like I want to put brakes on it. I want to like basically just, uh, make it like an alt bike that, uh, I can just fool around with. That's not my like street setup. But anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah, I've just, I've always had, uh. A pretty good supply of uh of hand me down parts, and uh, I got was pretty lucky. Like I said, I won some some random little like online contests that got me a frame, that got me like stem and pedals and cranks, and like kind of just ran those parts for many years. Yeah, see, I don't I don't ride with anyone. It's kind of like that good or bad. I don't know. I guess neither. Like, I, I never have homie parts laying around. I just break stuff or, like, I'll just give parts away because I'm just like, well, someone can use it. I usually just give it to some kids, skate park, like, mules and whatever. Like, if it's in my car, I'm like, oh, damn, let's get this broken mule. I'm just going to get like, Yeah, spare parts don't last long. Basically, the second I built up this new bike, I immediately had people hitting me up like, hey, can I borrow this? Can I run this? And, like, I ended up kind of, like, trading some parts. And uh, at one point, the homie Anthony Quadros, he catastrophically exploded his forks. And uh, he had to deal with, like, warranty stuff. So he didn't have oh, forks. Oh, on that crazy, on that, on that transfer, right? Like, did that three? Yeah, so he did that, like, that alley-oop three transfer. And uh, yeah. his forks just imploded. Or actually, they they exploded. They didn't implode violently and uh luckily he was fine he kind of like walked it out kind of rolled to flat and uh yeah he didn't have forks for like two weeks so i uh i let him run my old we the people forks with the stipulation that 
I get them back when he gets his new forks. And he's a man of his word. I got my forks back and uh, my old bike is mostly intact. Sick. Yeah, I'm stoked to have a cruiser. It also like serves the purpose of like uh, my brother was kind of cruising around here and there. So it was like now I have a bike that he can ride now and again. And especially with brakes, it like it makes more sense for like the normal person to ride. They're not like, where do I, what do I, how do I slow down? Where's, where are the brakes? Where's the, I I don't get it. So it works out. What do you tell people when they ask you how to stop? Oh shit. Uh, Sorry. I just, I I mean, I just give them the, like, you stick your foot in the back. Like you just destroy your shoe. But personally, I don't really do that too much. I've always been more of like a, uh. I drag both feet on the ground or I do a little kick out or I, a lot of times I just ride in grass to get the the natural resistance to slow yourself down. That's one of my favorite moves because as you know, I'm a cheapskate and I don't like burning through shoes and I feel like the jamming your foot in the back tire burns one hole. It just, it puts all the, all the friction just on that small area of your shoe. And you just burn through shoes. Shame, shameless plug right now. Those Etnies Michelin shoes are the fucking truth. Etnies Michelin. I haven't heard of these. Is that just um? That's like the model name. Uh yeah, I guess it's just like some sort of collaboration. But Michelin makes the rubber for the sh- like the outsole, and they're really fucking durable. I'm wearing them right now, and it's been like nine months. Wow. Maybe ten months. Of like scuffing and riding brakeless and commuting to work and just falling, and these shoes are not tearing at all. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to make the assumption that there was a uh, association with Michelin tires, but that's yeah, kind of funny. Yeah, no, they're really fucking good. Like, uh, I kind of bought them thinking that it was gonna be a gimmick because I needed new shoes, but they they lasted a long time and kind of like. I kind of like don't want to buy another pair of shoes now because like, oh, these are so broken in, so perfect. Gotcha. It's interesting. I've always been more of a Vans guy. And uh, when those doomed Etnies were released, the like the all black ones with the orange stripe, I uh, I grabbed a pair of those because Jordan Godwin's the man. And uh, I got to meet oh, him yeah. when they came on a trip to ride Brooklyn. And... uh just generally psyched on like what doom does also shout out to uh paul robinson who does like all the photography and some of the graphic stuff for doomed so wanted to support those guys so i gave the etnies a try and uh, when they were fresh they were awesome but i felt like they they broke in really quickly and then they didn't last super long which i think some people prefer like they don't want to like get really stiff shoes that like take a long time to break in and get comfortable. But right. as a, as a cheapskate, I always prefer the long term shoes. Like especially because I like knowing how my pedals are gonna feel through the shoes. So I don't even like really ever getting new shoes for riding because it it just like it just fucks me up. But I might have to try those because uh, I definitely like Etnies. Vans are tight too, but I feel like everybody rides vans 
it's kind of boring. Do you remember the you remember the Eddie's break? Vaguely, I may have had a pair of those. That sounds familiar. Is that Nathan Williams shoe? It's like uh Eddie's shoe made for bike riding. Like break, it was like that was the market. It was like made for breakless bike riding. I I just I don't know, random thing, but just thinking about shoes right now. Like the Eddie's break was like marketing was good, but the product was bad. Yeah, I I, um, had <laughs> I think I may have had a pair of those. I also had a pair of do you remember the Etnies RVMs? Yes. Those to me look so sick because they were like sorta kinda mid tops, but they weren't like yeah. half cab size. So right. I was psyched on those for a while. But but again, like those I don't think they lasted very long. But I think uh Nathan's current shoe. It's just called like the Jameson yeah, in honor Jameson, of his yeah. dog Jameson. And uh, I haven't ridden a pair of those in a very long time, which uh, I'm sure manufacturing has changed and the designs have changed and maybe I'd be more psyched on those now. So I got to give them a try. I also saw... Also shout uh, out to uh, Fade Footwear for making great shoes too. Fade Footwear. Are they still around? I think so. I bought a pair of like uh, I don't know, Colt Bakes like signature shoe or some shit. They're like these like leather high tops. I had those for a long time. Until like the until like the front hurts off. But yeah, that was a good ass shoe. Like made for like shredding, like easy shit. Like your ankle, you know, past days in place. Like a yeah. built-in ankle guard. Like pretty sick. Bone death shoe. Yeah, much. Needs to handle some abuse. Probably has some snake skin on it. Oh, shout out Bone Death for making the best wheels. 48 <sighs> holes. Yeah, those guys are <laughs> maniacs. They they need every yeah. single one of those folks. A lot of Flatland dudes have uh, 48 holes. I mean, I did for a while too, because it's like stiffer. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think it also adds to like truing stability? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can break like six spokes and you still have 40 spokes, so way stiffer, especially carving blade type. The only problem I had with the 48 holes, the rim profile wasn't necessarily the best. Hmm. More like fat, modern tires. Like, if you're riding a flatland tire, it's fine. Like, it fits really well. But if you're riding like a 2.4 tire, uh, it gets kind of sketchy because the rim profile is like thinner. Like a, more modern, like wider rim style. So you're more likely to blow out. I know I had a few blowouts on like 2.3 Dugan tires. I'm just like, what the fuck? But yeah. I don't know. Just like one small thing. Yeah. Little things that you would never really think about. But uh, yeah. I've, I've dealt with that. Not me personally, but a friend of ours, uh, Alex Canova. He was right. Yeah, my boy. Yeah, dude, Alex is. Oh, yeah, because Alex uh lives lived around Stony Brook, so he was always yeah, around for the sessions. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, he was riding some like piece of shit stolen rim, and something about I think the sidewalls on the rims were really really low, or maybe it just didn't have that inner lip that was thick enough. But he was riding the stolen rim on the front, no less, and he would go out to the session with a backpack full of tubes. And I kid you not, we would uh we'd go to a spot, we'd ride for a while, and you'd see him jump off his bike 
and like run over to his uh run over to his bag and he would like let the air out of the tire and try to put the tire back on the rim because he would see the tube creeping its way out from the rim like the the tire would start to come off the rim and he would try to save it and he was getting pretty good where he would catch it but there would like you know he would be trying to trick or something and then out of nowhere his front tube would just blow out and at the skate park you know he kind of got away with it but we went to try to ride street and he was like just getting flats like every few miles down the road like he would just keep swapping in tubes and it was it was definitely not ideal like it was ridiculous okay just that point i'm going through a tunnel right now so i might lose signal or yeah we'll see how that goes yeah but so far so good so anyway, if yeah. you're still here, uh, I think now is probably a pretty good time to end it. I see we're sure. we're a bit over an hour, and I should probably get my ass out the door. Yeah, head I'm over like to meet up with you in person. Away, so you're twenty three minutes. Damn. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna have. I told you, I'm making crazy good time. So that's crazy. I guess everybody's already at their like destinations for Fourth uh, of July parties and stuff. Because I was I was expecting over. traffic to be. A lot worse than it seems to be. So I better get my ass out the door. Sounds good. Cool. Well, uh, thank you for doing this. Um, yeah, no problem. If you want to uh, shout out your Instagram, any sort of plugs, now's the time to do it. Shout out uh, Justin Cobo- Cobelli for being sick. Shout out Alex Canova for also being sick. <laughs> uh <laughs> Shout out myself at Lobotomy Octopus. That's one word. Don't ask me what it means. Best username ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Shout out my sponsors, mom and dad. Just kidding. Don't buy me <laughs> shit. Uh, shout out my boss, Richard Huang, for being OG mid school rider, dude. That's it. Yeah, your boss is sick. We should definitely uh, uh, talk about that again sometime. Yeah, Adrian's sick too. Shout out to her. She's awesome. Yeah, she's the GOAT. So, Uh, yeah. Also, anyone who's listening to this, if you want to ride Philly, hit me up. I live in South Philly. I will gladly host you and a friend. You can ride and do whatever. And I'll also keep you properly fed because that's also very important. I would say uh, be careful what you wish for because you are talking to the internet. True. Someone's going to be like, yo, bro, I heard you on this podcast. Like from Germany or something. Like, oh, I heard you on the podcast. Can I come through and ride bikes? And eat food? I'm staying for a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After three days, the guests start to sting. That's and it's cool. Brad Sims. Oh, God. That would be sick. I don't know. I don't think he does that, that anymore. But that used to be his old move. He would just like go crash at somebody's house in like the Czech Republic. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I so, want yeah. mine as uh homie Anthony Quadros came over and shredded. I know I talked I like messaged him once to tell him to come over, but I, I forget what the deal was. I've also never met him in real life. Really? Yeah, I met his brother Frank bunch of times. I never met him, you know. I feel like such a strong connection to all Long Island riders, even though I'm not from Long Island. But yeah. 
Yeah, to me, you're like an I'm honorary sure. Long Island rider. You spent, you put in your yeah. time here. Exactly. But yeah, this has been fun. Uh, thank you for doing yep. this. I think we're gonna we're gonna probably try to do something again. Uh, I've got yep. a little mobile setup, so I think probably next time I come visit Philly, bring some mics and uh, have a few beers and hang out. I think that's the yeah. That's next time be the we'll plan. talk about. Next time we should talk about like mid school bikes. Yeah, you'll have and, to like, teach me. I don't really know shit. Yeah, technology is sick. Like, we should go into like a tech talk, source engineering talk. That'd be cool. Yeah, dude, you know I'm down. Yeah. So yeah, uh, follow the podcast on Instagram. It's the at Sore Losers BMX Podcast. Uh, you can follow me. I'm at Jay Kobley with three E's. Um. Thanks to my friend Matt Dardano and his band Rose Parade for the intro song. I think that's uh that's all I got. Don't follow at Austin underscore Mazer because he's on a, a like a two week trip right now, so he's not going to be on the podcast. But we have a pretty good one planned for next week. Going to get Louis Colasion back on. He's going to be the co-host, and then we're going to hang out with uh, Eddie Queller, California cult rider affiliate so that should be a good time so yeah thank you guys for listening now uh go ride your bike